Welcome to the Renew the Mind podcast with the pastoral staff of Christ Community Church. I am Pastor Daniel. This is Pastor Jeff. This is Pastor Ryan. And this guy behind me is Pastor Patrick. And our goal for this podcast is to help all of us, including us at this table at CCC, to uh, heed the call of Romans chapter 2, which commands, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. We started a uh, discussion. Romans 12 or Romans 2? I'm that was Romans, sure Romans 12. 12. First 2. First Thank two. you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. See? You got it's it, good. Man. You, you have to interpret scripture. <laughs> My mind was renewed. Um, you want to try again? So last, <laughs> so last, Take two. Last time we were talking about uh, uh, Timothy. We made it down through verse, 1 Timothy chapter 1, made it down through verse 7. Uh, and we will kick it on over to Jeff to get us started. Okay, so starting with verse 8, just to recap, he is address, he's clearly addressing people who want to be Torah teachers. And these are people that have gotten far afield. They have gotten out in the sticker weeds of speculative stuff, talking about Jewish myths and the importance of Jewish genealogies and just getting off into all that. And they're, taking, they're, th- they're threatening to take people away from the centrality of Christ and his cross in the gospel. And now he begins verse 8 by saying, but we but we know, let's talk about the law. He says, but we know the law is good if anyone makes use of it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not given for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, and for the unholy and totally worldly, for the one who kills his father and the one who kills his mother, for murderers, sexually immoral people, homosexuals, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else. I I love that phrase. And whatever else you can think of that is opposed to sound doctrine or sound teaching, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God that I was entrusted with. So we're going to begin with verse 8 here. And I I read the whole section, the whole paragraph, because I think it's important to understand this all together. Again, the challenge here is that we're talking about people who want to be Torah teachers, who want to teach in an erudite and very astute way and impress people with their highly speculative (laughs) (laughs) teachings. Yes. Um, And so, so what he says here, the law is good. Is the law good? Because Paul says has a lot to say that seems to be very negative about the law in the book of Romans, particularly um, that the law brought me condemnation. Like knowing thou shalt not covet made me, inflamed (laughs) me to covet even more. And so is the law good, Daniel? Go. Paul literally just said right here, <laughs> we know that the law is good to the one who uses it lawfully or le- uses it legitimately, as mine says. And uh, they're pointing to me because we have, we have uh, there's, a, there's a broad variety of interpretations on what the right use of the Old Testament law is Which I have. For, <laughs> the, for the New Testament spirit-filled, saved believer. Right. And uh, can we just quickly tell everybody what our positions are on that? So, if you know, so Ryan's position 
Why don't we let Ryan? Uh, uh, my understanding is that uh, the Old Testament Mosaic law has been brought to its intended completion in Christ. And, and now uh, what that means is that it is still beneficial. I would still say uh, that it is good, that it does need to be used property, properly, that it does have a teaching function for, for Christians today. But we are not under the law in the same way that Old Testament Israel was. Thank you. Um, and so, yes, it's been brought to its intended completion in Christ. And, and then from there, uh, I pick up uh, somewhat on the law of Christ language uh, that Paul will use in, and I believe, Romans uh, in saying that it has been brought to its intended completion. It is still helpful for us today, um, but it is not binding on us today. That's good. That's good. Uh, I do not hold a reformed view of the law. Uh, I, I don't hold to a theonomic view of the law, although I am hoping for a theonomic and theocratic uh, rule of Christ in the millennium, whenever that is and however long that is. I think you think there is no such thing. But uh, <laughs> but I Shots would say... <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> um, but I would say <laughs> that I hold Luther's view of the law, and I think Luther's view of the law is that the purpose of the Old Testament law, the lawful use of the law, as he says here, that word lawful is the word, um, um, where is that word? It's a, it's a pun. It's a play on words oh, here. Yeah. Uh, it's the word namimos, uh, which actually comes from namas, and that's why it's translated in some translations, lawful, the lawful use of the law. And I think the appropriate or commensurate use of the law is that the Old Testament law tells us what God's standard is, and this was Luther's view, more or less, tells us what the standard is, also informs us that we cannot possibly meet that standard, and drives us into the arms of grace. And I think the evidence that that's correct is uh, the rest of the list. He says the lawful use of the law is what? Knowing this. The law was not given for a righteous people. It was given for unrighteous people. It was given for lawbreakers. It was given to the very people. And after he lists this vice list, look what he says in verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God that I was entrusted with. He makes a distinction between the law and the gospel. Um, so do we, for clarity, do we differ on that, Jeff? I, I don't know that we do. I think uh, our view is probably you, closer. Yeah, yeah I think we are. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think when Paul says that yeah. Jesus is the telos, there's so that word again, the yeah. end of the law. <laughs> Patrick's like, take my thunder. It means that he's <laughs> brought it to its intended completion. Yeah. So I think you yeah. you and I yeah. probably yeah. agree I on so, that. Yeah. Now, ideally, I would like for the world to be run by God's law. Ideally, yes. And so that's, we're not there that's where my heart no. is. Yes. Well, Patrick, you took the dispensational view. Yeah, I could say my former view, um, but not, no longer. We've now. been working on it. I believe the law, the law is fulfilled in Christ. It brought to its completion. It's it's still good, like Ryan was saying, for our benefit. If we were to go back into the law, and specifically the things that the New Testament brings in, or that Jesus reestablishes, so in nine the New of Testament the ten church, commandments, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, but. We can't go back into the law and benefit from everything and living by it, it exactly like it was written. Um, I don't think it's meant for us in its exact sense today. So completion, tell us, and essentially it would be nice, but yeah, not, sure. not exactly. And so Daniel. I, Daniel. So I have, I, I have, I'm still in the process of, <laughs> of working through this, but 
I tend to have a more of a theonomist view in that I believe that uh, there are that the the Decalogue is still the binding commandment for so behavior the Ten Commandments. Yeah, the yeah. the Ten Commandments is still the binding, uh, and it is the standard by which all men will be judged. Uh, in Christ, we are judged. We you know we are are judged righteous because he perfectly upheld those, right. and that the s- the ceremonial portion of the law that the book of Hebrews points out that that was that was all pointing towards Christ and found its fulfillment in Christ, and so that part is done away with, um, and that the uh, and so the there becomes a. D- a a discussion about well the the civil portions of it the the judicial mm-hmm. portions of it um, is that God's ideal standard for humanity is should we be reaching back to the 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 Old Testament law and taking the general equity of those things uh, f- bringing those forward and applying them now you know so the we which don't have parapets around which I which I lean bit. towards yeah. uh, sure. so we don't have parapets around our house because none of us spend time on our roof in the evening um, right. but we do see that it is a moral good to put a uh, gate around your pool so that kids from the neighborhood can't fall in and drown and that you would be judged guilty uh, according to God's law you know if that if that were to happen and so I tend I tend to drift that way more where I see that the uh, the ceremonial portions of it the the portions that were uh, directly uh, uh, addressing kind of the cultic, uh, the cultic issues in Cana and and all that stuff. I I, I tend to see those as done away with, um, but that the general equity of that the that the Decalogue is still our binding, is our 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 yeah, binding yeah. rule set. Um, and it's what me- men will be judged by. Ryan can't wait for you to um, finish. I can see the sweat <laughs> in his face. It's just growing. The and that, oh, it's uh, my turn. And that we should be endeavoring. <laughs> that we should be endeavoring to pull the the, the general equity of those of those uh, civil laws forward and apply them today. Yeah. So because they were yeah. good. Yeah. Law is good. So three divisions people. in the law, just for yeah. Clarity. So I okay. yeah. So I tend That's to I tend to I tend. And what to are those? What that? are those divisions? There's according the, to Reformed the, the, theology, the uh, civil, the ceremonial, and the uh, judicial. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. Good job, man. Yeah, or or the moral. Yeah, the moral, uh, I yeah. would say that uh, undoubtedly. So I have some problems with that that Westminster Confession formulation of the differences between those laws. I think in the ancient world, there clearly are the difference between weightier laws and lighter laws. And Jesus even mentions this in Matthew 23, where he says, you set aside the weightier laws uh, for things that are more inconsequential. Yeah. But those things are still in the law. So I think there clearly is... Uh, a reason in the New Testament to look back on the law and say, well, there's some weighty ma- weightier matters here. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, mm. those are more important weighty than matters, tithing yeah. your spices, yeah. right? <laughs> your grains of <laughs> cinnamon spices or whatever. So no question about that. Um, technically, I would say, help me with this, that every law that God issues, though, is a moral law. Yeah. and And so... If God has issued the moral law and it applies to me and my covenant, that is to say the, the covenant that God has made with me, 
and he hasn't made the Old Testament covenant with me. He made that with the Jews. Amen. Then in my view, um, <laughs> I'm not bound to any law that is under that covenant that is not a part of the new covenant, that is not carried over into the new covenant. Yeah. Because the weightier matters now are those laws which are in the new covenant. And, and Jesus only gave us those two. And the, the and the theonomic argument would be that those are being fulfilled currently as Jesus sits at the right hand of God. Yeah. You know, right. um, that they, that they did not, they didn't, they found their, their, their fullest fulfillment in them. And they, he's a sacrifice for eternity. You right. Know? But, right. Um, and, but, but yeah, like I said, this is, I'm still, I'm still working. Some sure. Of this stuff yes. out. Yeah. And, uh, well, like I say, ideally, I want God and to if you be reigning a, and ruling in society. And if you were to put a gun, <laughs> if you were putting a gun to my head, again, I would not, I would not suggest anybody go before <laughs> the Lord and say, "Look how well I fulfilled the law," but throw yourself in dependence upon right. Christ yeah, and, yeah. and His fulfillment. God, so that's good. That's yeah. helpful to know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, you know when I see the lawful use of the law here. I don't think Bonson is correct. Um, that would be Greg Bonson. Greg Bonson. <laughs> the honor. Hero of all <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think that lawful is referring to Phariseeism. In the context, he is not addressing Phariseeism. In the context, he clearly is addressing these Jewish mythology teachers, which they're not Pharisees. So in this context... I don't think that, that that would be... I think the lawful use of the law is this right here, 9 to 11, which is the law was meant to bring guilt, to bring us uh, to a state of conscious awareness that we are guilty before the law. We stand guilty before the law. And this is why Paul says in Romans 3, is it 20 or 21, where he says, the purpose of the law is to make us consciously aware of sin. Hmm. And so if the purpose, Paul says, the purpose of the law is to make us consciously aware of sin, then its purpose is not to lift me. It's not to actually provide uh, um, a a civil structure for me. Its purpose is to drive me to Hmm. grace and the law of love in Christ Jesus. So Um, when... So where am I going wrong there? So so the the some of the question is when in Jeremiah it says I'm going to put like I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to write my law upon that heart. Contextually, he's talking about Torah. He's talking about the law. There is he has the law of Christ is not a thing that has even been brought into the discussion. Sure, right. And so um Said Jeremiah thirty one. Yeah, yeah. And so the the question there of just um, why would there be the why would there be a tattooing of the law upon the heart of the new believer and the new covenant and the new covenant participant um, if that law is going to be fully done away with? So what the Pharisees were very interested in was a summary principle. When Jesus is asked the question, teacher, what is the greatest command in Moses? That is a technical question that the Pharisees uh, and the scribes are constantly debating. What is the summarizing principle of Torah? Mm. 
<clears throat> Jesus' response, do you remember it? Yeah. Was what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Soul, the Shema. And Shema Israel, yeah. Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. And then they give them his, their approval. Oh, good. I'm glad you answered that. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, right away, and they go, oh, teacher, you have answered well. That sounds good. That sounds good to us because we think the Shema is the summary, summary principle as well. So the Pharisees, not the Jewish sort of these uh, uh, myth and legend teachers, um, but the Pharisees in particular, Pharisaic Ju- Judaism was in particular wanting to do two things simultaneously. One, to greatly expand the law into all kinds of application-oriented halakha, yeah. you know, just these rules for living yeah. that they would divine through disputation. In other words, they would divine it through argumentation yeah. um, and public and open debate. And so, so while they were doing this and creating this expansive hedge this uh, around Torah to protect Torah and to help people to apply Torah, they were also trying to to summarize it. Yeah, to compress it into one or two commands that they could just carry around with them and say everything fits in these. And Jesus answers that. Hmm. And the two commands are the Shema and then Leviticus nineteen, I think it's nineteen. Uh, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all the Torah and the prophets are summed in these laws. So when I come to the New Testament, I ask the question, when I see a vice list like this, and then Paul tells me, hey, here's how you should live. In my mind, I'm thinking, which one of those larger laws do, do does this instruction fall in? Am I loving my brother <laughs> as myself? Uh, okay, it's in this category. Am I loving God with all of my very self? Okay, it's in the left category. So that's the way I see it. Um, and I'm just wondering how that squares with or does not square with a theonomist view. Because it seems that the yeah. theonomist would want to subjectively discern which civil commands now, uh, not just moral ones, but which civil commands still apply. So I think that categorization is exactly what theonomists would do. Is they, would, they would affirm that Oh, I'm a, Jesus. I'm <laughs> that Jesus would was affirming the law by affirming that these are these are the two dis- by affirming the compression. Yeah. He was affirming the whole. Yeah, he was because he says in these, the, you know, the law and the prophet. And so, um, I do think that that is our mm-hmm. that that is our operating principle, and that's how we can draw the general equity of of Old Testament things out is by saying, hey, how is it, how do we love our brother in this today? Versus, or is this about loving God? Is this about our hearts, yeah. attitude, and our and our character and all that stuff? But general um, equity is different than the language of binding. You know what I mean? I think, yes. Um, I'm sorry for interrupting. No, 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 no. Sorry, it's a good, it's no, a good comment actually. Uh, I, the question I was going to ask is: Is that what you see as the uh, uh, the law of Christ? Because the law of Christ is spoken of just kind of generally and abstractly, and there's no systematic like exposition of it. Well, I think in Romans though, he he does call it the law of love in Christ Jesus, um, which has set you free from the law of sin and death, which comes through the Torah, uh, which comes through the Torah regulation, which informs you that you're dead. Which so, comes um, through trying to keep the Torah regulation. Keep, keep the Torah regulation, that's right. But that would be that would be the distinction I think that the anonymists would make, is that it's not the Torah itself. It's the it's the Okay, yeah. Because Paul does say right it, yeah. there, the law is good and it is spiritual. Yeah. He actually says it's spiritual. It's just 
It has no effect whatsoever. It has no ability whatsoever to lift you to rate, to meet its standard. Uh, it is just a standard. It is God's standard, and it predicts that you are going to not meet it, <laughs> that you are going to fall short of it. Um, okay, great, great discussion, guys. Uh, we could get more into that. We really could. We'll we'll do that on another podcast. But we I, all agree that Jesus, that Jesus <laughs> is the <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fulfills the law of righteousness <laughs> on our behalf. Okay. Yes. Amen. Uh, so this is something that's in the Word. This is something that's in the text. This is not speculative. Maybe the Bible is underdeterminative about this, but this is a good discussion to have because we really need to figure out, man, what is the role of the Torah, a law in the Christian it? life, right? But now let's go through this vice list. He says, knowing this, that the law is not given for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious for the ungodly and sinners, and from the unholy, totally worldly, and for one who kills his father <laughs> and kills his mother, heaven, heaven's sake, for murderers, sexually immoral people, homosexuals, kidnappers. What does your translation say there? I've seen the slave traders. Yeah, I've seen the translation. Oh, traders. slave traders. Okay, gotcha. Um, slavers, liars, perjurers, and anything else you can think of that is opposed to sound <laughs> teaching, right? Anything in a, in a commensurate category. Um, it is not very popular to tell people you're a sinner. Yeah. To tell a sexually immoral person who is sleeping around and not married and who is sitting there in your office and telling you, I, I, don't, I don't care what you say. I don't care what Jesus says. I don't care what the Bible says. Uh, I know that God set me up with this person. Yeah. And I'm justified. Well, that's what, that's what happened to me last summer when someone wanted to do premarital counseling and they don't, they don't go here. They just kind of stop by because we do premarital counseling. Sure. And I, uh, I, I asked if they were living together and I said, well, you're living in sin. If you do that, you need to stop while you're through premarital counseling. It doesn't close the door to marry you because if you burn a passion, get married. And no uncertain concerns, he, he looked at me and says, but that's our identity. We sleep together. And that was the end. Walked out, never <laughs> saw him again. That, that was the end of it. <laughs> what right. are you going to do? Right. So listen, this is the rich young ruler syndrome. Hmm. This is a guy who was fastidiously compliant with Torah from the time he was a kid in synagogue to the, yeah. his adulthood. And he knew something was missing. And he comes to Jesus and asks, what must I do to, to inherit the life of the age or the eternal life? And Jesus' response to him was, go obey Torah. And he goes, no. And that was a test of responsiveness yeah. because Jesus knew that wasn't the answer. And Jesus, Jesus knew that would not answer what, he, what ailed him. Mm. And two, he was trying to test him to see, do you want to really know? Yeah. And so the young man says, I've done all that since I was a kid. There's got to be more. And Jesus' response is, okay, go rid your life of all of your covetous possessions, sell them all, give them to the poor, come be my disciple. That's the cure. That's the cure. And the man goes away sad. He walks out the door because he says, this is my identity. This is who I am. Can't let go. This, this is what I need in my life. And so part of discipleship is putting discipleship demands from God's word into people's life. Come what may. Yeah. And people, sometimes we experience as pastors, 
uh, like this couple, they do not like to be told that they're fornicators, that they're, that they're sinning. Yeah. But there can be no forgiveness unless you admit your sin. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's funny that we're talking about this. It's exactly what I was talking about last night with the, with the youth. We started in, in Jonah, and I was kind of hammering home, do we listen to God's word to obey or do we listen to decide? And it seems like we're often confronted with that choice, especially when it comes to some of these vice lists. Yeah, that's a good um, question. Um, <laughs> do so. I? So when you say, do we listen to decide, <laughs> are, are we listening? T- tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, yeah. So do we listen to obey? Um, the, the question whether we like what he says uh, is, is not the question we're seeking to answer because we have God's revealed world, word uh, to us. And so are we going to listen to it is kind of what I was hammering home. Or do we listen to decide and kind of get to pick and choose and say, <laughs> I love the passages about love and, and caring for one another. And, yeah, think. and I'll yeah. really emphasize that uh, loving others as yourself. But when I come to this vice list about, um, you know, the sexually immoral or the homosexuals or being a liar or being a perjurer or anything like that. Or parent um, killers. Well, yeah. that, w- that was then. This is now. So. Well, and here's, here's the thing with parent killers. Jesus says, hey, if you've hated your brother in your heart, like you're guilty of murder. Yeah. And how many of us, when our parents give us a, have given us a command in our youth, mm. have we despised them <laughs> yeah. and hated them for it? My kids murder oh. me in their mind so, every day. So this is a good question. The right, what they would the right you use? Every day. The right use of the law in this, uh, are, is there, are we justified to use the law to say, to confront the, the 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 unrighteous behavior with. Oh yes. Uh, Dare I say justified? We're commanded. I mean, if we're going back up, yeah. like that's what's he, Paul he says. The law is useful, and that is hard because one of the one of the things that gets sl- slung at the church is that oh, you just condemn sinners. Right. You're also judgmental. You know. Yeah, and so there isn't, and it's a fine line to walk because there's a difference between. Uh, gleefully judging somebody, right? Because you really dislike their particular sin, right? Yeah. Right. And saying, "Hey, part of the gospel is being confronted by the holy standard of the law." That's right. That you might repent, at, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's verse that's five. Now the goal of our instruction is love. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So love is guiding it all, and then he also has these lines of. You know, at the end of verse eight, provided it's good, provided one uses it legitimately, right? Yeah. And then have, even at the end, verse eleven, or all of this is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel, right? So all of this has to be brought in light of the gospel, communicated in light of the gospel, um, and you need to recognize your Savior in light of these things, in light of the gospel. But I think in tying this full circle, if I could, because you did have an unanswered question concerning Jeremiah. When I read that, though, it, using it legitimately, and that conforms with the gospel, that's what um, I, think, I think sometimes theonomists and us disagree with, is the question is coming, well, Jeremiah said this, you know, so it must mean Old Testament and come to there. Would I rather say, no, New Testament says this, that's how I'm going to go back and interpret Jeremiah. Does that make sense? So I think the gospel has the precedent in interpreting matters of the law. Yeah, I, so. I get that, but when Jeremiah says that well anyway you interpret in context for sure yeah so he meant that in context but then the new testament gives us a greater interpretation it's it's, written on my heart and the and the 
You got me. The thing that I'm I'm trying to keep us tied to here on the Timothy passage. Sorry. No, no, no. I, <laughs> um, but you asked. Is if you're using the law to keep people out of fellowship, if you're using the law to create more of an us them, mm. if you're using the law to condemn unto damnation people. That's that in itself is an illegitimate use of the law, right? Because if if say Jeff's right, then the law is used to drive people to the Lord, and if we're using the law to say, and now look upon Christ and rejoice, right? You know right. that there's, um, and so there there are times where the church has used the law right. to other people, right? It has. Um, and, well, I would say it's an it. unlawful use of the law or an illegitimate use of the law or or a way to use the law that is not commensurate with the l- intention of the law itself is when we wield it and bludgeon people as a you know as a cudgel uh unredemptively yeah. or non-redemptively yeah. like when the purpose of the law is redemption hmm. from the sin that it points to right. not condemnation this is why Paul says in Romans 8 there is therefore now no condemnation you know, so right after he asked the question, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this condition? What did he just describe in chapter seven? Mm-hmm. A man who is enslaved to his passions yeah. and knows the law and can't obey it. Mm-hmm. And he says, I am no longer under condemnation because Christ has set me free. So if that's not our purpose, that's an illegitimate use sure. of the law. And it yeah. sounds like these teachers in Ephesus we're using it to other portions of like the faithful, like faithful believers, and, and they, they were using it to create a an us to them kind yes. of definitely uh, elitist spiritual yeah, elitism. Yeah. yeah, that that's a great that's a great point. I so can a person be sexually immoral and a homosexual uh, and a slave trader? And also be a Christian and a liar. We should we should be fair, right? And a, and a liar and a and a habitual yeah. liar and a perjurer. Uh, can a person do these things? He says these things are not uh, in keeping with the gospel. They are opposed to the sound teaching of the gospel. They're not because it's not in reconciliation to God. So taking Paul in Second Corinthians five twenty, we have the ministry of reconciliation, which the mm-hmm. inferred statement is. How do we know if we are unreconciled with God when well, we yeah. have to know his law, but then the goal is to reconcile with God, therefore to live in right. 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 So if I sit down with a person who is, who is very tempted with homosexual tendencies, my goal is not to take them through this list here and say, dude, you're totally, you're yeah. condemned. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's not my goal. My no. goal is to say, dude, you're broken. That's not what God says a human being is. What God says a, a human image bearer yeah. is, is a male and a female, and yeah. that's an appropriate relationship. That's what God says. You're broken. Now I want to lead you to the light. I want to yeah. lead you to healing. Yeah. Uh, the same thing with slave traders. In light of all of us being broken. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're, Join the club. Your, your words, your I'm, invi- yeah, I'm yeah. inviting you. Your words could be confused. Just the way that you worded something yeah. made it sound like you were saying to the, the, the homosexual uh, that they are not in the image of God, but they are. You, that's not what you're yes, saying. Yes, no, that's not but what the I meant. way it came out. I just wanted to clarify. Right. <laughs> yeah. So God is the one who gets to, by definition and decree, 
determine what a human image bearer is, what the image bearing properties of a human being are. And by definition and by decree from Old Testament all the way to the book of Revelation, God has decided uh, and decreed that image bearers are male and female. So we have a culture today that's telling us there's no such thing as male or female. You can choose whatever pronouns you like. Uh, We have a culture today that is absolutely out of its mind, um, incensed that anyone would challenge someone as a sinner and say, brother, you're a sinner. But the only reason we do it is to say, come join the club, join the family. We're all broken. We all have sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And you, you have good company here. But repentance is the way in. Repentance is the key. Um, yeah. And so that, that, that is critical, critical because then to just sort of um, ignore it or pacify people or say, you know what, don't, don't worry about it. We're not going to preach stuff like that. Yeah. That's contrary to the gospel. He says whatever else is opposed or contrary to the sound teaching of this gospel. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where as sinners we have to humble our pride. We, we have to humble our pride. None of us in our particular chosen sin can say to God, you know what, uh, oops, sorry. Uh, you know what, I'm good. Yeah, that's um, exactly right. No, we're all, yeah. we've all fallen short in Talked some about way. this with, with Daniel. I know we've got to wrap it up, but uh, the call to deny ourselves, you know, and, and pick up the cross and follow him is the same call to all of us. It's going to look different for each of us, Right. Yeah. Uh, that denying of ourselves, but the call is the same. It's what each of us has to uh, have to do to be faithful and yeah and remembering that the uh we're talking about what's contrary to the the glorious gospel of the blessed god not what's contrary to our particular yeah. likes or dislikes yeah. or and so we, we we have to make sure that we're facil- having all of our discussions and filling it renewing our mind and filling our mind with the glorious gospel so that when we do present a hard word which is yeah. um that it is what's contrary to the gospel and not our preference. Well, I think Uh, of, uh, you know, Karen, I support, we support the international justice mission and the international justice mission is a, is a group of people, uh, they're lawyers. And what they do is they go find people who are enslaved. Like there are 32 or 38 million people. I forget, um, that are currently enslaved in the world. And they go find these little girls who are being, held captive by these slavers. They're kidnappers. They're slavers. It's right here in this list. But Jesus died for those slavers too. Mm. He died for those kidnappers too. And those people who are oppressing those people. uh, And and Paul identifies himself as a once very violent man. That's how he identifies himself. Uh, So Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. Well, we've gone we've gone pretty long on this, and uh, again, we're all grateful for the glorious gospel and forgiveness that is found in Christ. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we will look forward to seeing you all soon.